consumers, all of us become habituated, meaning used to a common frequency. And if it wasn't relevant the first time, we don't pay attention to it ever again. Hey friend, that first hey friend email. I got, it's like, oh my God, I have a friend who doesn't even call me by my first name. They call me a friend. Yeah, how who, cool, how cool, how woke How is that cool guy? are they? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is some like douchey, uh, spammy marketing, like bastards. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Mike Michalowicz, the author of Get Different, Clockwork, Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, plus a whole bunch of other books. And I've had Mike on the show way back on episode 240. And we talked about clockwork. And originally, I found Mike was actually from the book Profit First, which is a fantastic book, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to read it. But today, we're talking about the book Get Different, his newest book. And if you want to get a chance to win, we're giving away 25 copies of Get Different. You heard that right, 25 copies. Go to brokerbookclub.com to find out how you can enter to win. And we're going to give away 25 copies. So a couple of things Mike and I talk about. He shares the dad framework that he uses to help stand out. And it's not like a dad bod, but Mike is a hilarious guy. When you read his writing or you just listen to this conversation, you realize he's quite witty and funny. A couple takeaways. He shares a couple brilliant marketing strategies that cost literally nothing that can help you stand out. He shares where to think of creative ideas, even if you don't think of yourself as creative and why most people are afraid to think and act different and what you can do about it. I think this is a fantastic conversation. It's a fantastic book. And go check out brokerbookclub.com to potentially win a free copy. Before we jump into this episode, also on the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall about mining your database from Blue Mortgage. And I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform built for Canadian mortgage brokers, really easy to use for consumers or for borrowers, super easy to use for brokers as well. And they got some cool features baked in. One of them that I really like is Smart Docs. So as the client's filling out the application, if they're self-employed or whatever, however they fill it out, it's automatically figuring out what documents you're going to need so that it can let them know that. It's got smart submission notes. So when you go to submit the file to whatever limit that you've chosen, it'll actually go and like help pull the data from the application so you don't have to rekey it. And it's connected to Lender Spotlight, which is probably the best tool for searching guidelines and rates in the marketplace. And it's linked to that as well. So you can actually look at that before you hit send. Check out finmo.ca and check out this conversation have with Mike. Hey, Mike, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. So you got another book out. If you're listening to this in episode 240, Mike and I were chatting about clockwork, which is doing fantastic. And now you have another one get different. And got so it. I got a question for you before we jump into that. So what is your mission? Because I've never heard anybody put it this way. What is your mission for why you keep producing so many books for you know small business owners? Sure. So my mission and my tagline for the mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. What that means to me, because I've lived it, is there's a vision we have for what our life will be like when we become entrepreneurs, financial independence, never worry about a bill, doing what I want when I want, personal freedom. And then there's this reality. And the reality it is- It doesn't always happen. Yeah. Total struggle, making no money, hate my life, don't see anybody. That gap is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. And it's held in secret. You can't go to your clients and say, I got no money and I'm struggling. What we need to do is close that gap. And that's the mission I'm on. Right. And on top of that, your boss is a jerk. You're self-employed and, you know. <laughs> right. It's so demanding. He's yeah, such never let a you jerk. Always uh, in your face. 
Okay, so one of the things I've always loved about your books is that you're a simplifier because not everybody can simplify. And so you talk about this dad framework in the book. I'm just going to jump right into it. So tell me about what is the dad framework. And when I hear of this, I think of like dad bod. Maybe you can tie that in there somehow. You know, you can make dad bods cool again, you know. Dude, Uh, I hear so so many dad jokes. Actually, I got to tell you this horrible dad joke, but it's probably the best and worst. That's what you've heard? Okay. All right, here's the best one I heard. When does a good joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's my, that's da- my so daughter came on the other day. I can't yeah. remember. And that's a response from. to a dad joke. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, tell me so what's the, the dad framework. framework and maybe you break it down for our listeners. So, our listeners are mortgage brokers, loan officers, yep. people that are, are not really different when you think about it. Like you say, get different, but we're kind of all the same. We all have access to the same products and services. And so, if any group needs to learn how to differentiate, I would say this is it. We are, we are and, one and of those groups. And I'll start off with a quote from Robert Stevens. He's the founder of Geek Squad. You know, those guys that wore mm-hmm. those costumes, the glasses and the flood pants. He said, the more ordinary a business, the more extraordinary the opportunity to stand out. So if you're in a common business, it is really easy to stand out. And how you right. do it is using the dad framework. So the dad framework is three elements. It's like a checklist. If you have these three elements checked off, the marketing potential is there. If you miss a single one, your marketing is crippled, probably unnoticeable or ineffective. The first D stands for differentiate. And the rule here is whatever the best practices of the industry, whatever the common approaches, that is white noise. It is invisible. Consumers, all of us become habituated, meaning used to a common frequency. And if it wasn't relevant the first time, we don't pay attention to it ever again. Hey friend, that first hey friend email. I got, it's like, oh my God, I have a friend who doesn't even call me by my first name. They call me a friend. Yeah, how who, cool, how cool, how woke How is that cool guy? are they? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is some like douchey, uh, spammy marketing, like bastards. Every hey friend I've gotten since then, I've never opened. It goes right to the spam box. Habituation. Right. So what we need to do is break out of common noise and it's super simple. Look at what the common noise is and don't do it. Do right. the opposite, do different. So if everyone is sending out an email campaign, don't do an email campaign or- if everyone's saying on an email campaign, change it. For example, as an author, all authors do these email blasts. Everyone's doing it. It's black text against a white background. I said, I want to do an email blast, but it's going to be invisible. What if I make the opposite? Instead of using black text, let me use white. I'm like, well, white against white, you can't see. I'm like, oh my gosh, let me make an invisible ink email. I sent out an email. The first line was in black text. It said, this is the first ever invisible ink email. Click and drag below to reveal your message. And there it said, I'm introducing a new <laughs> book about getting different. That book got double the click-through rate, double the action was taken just because it was unexpected. So first check is- Okay, we're going to remove this from the podcast because I'm going to do this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, please, uh, please, yeah. please do it. The because invisible email. That's an opportunity. I suggest everyone does R&D, rip off and duplicate. Right. <laughs> Take ideas from others and use them. Now, if you're an author and you do this, I've done it already. Chances are the next person that gets an Invisible Ink email that's received one from me will say, oh, I already know what the game. And they'll ignore it. It's another hey friend. But if you're a mortgage broker and no one's ever done this before, you just won. So take yeah. ideas constantly from elsewhere and integrate them into what you're doing. And uh, this, keep this doing This is the benefit of me before this goes live. There's going to be- Damn straight, bro. <laughs> Actually, straight. I may even do Double it with the email I sent about this book. So this show, I'm going to send an Invisible Ink email to my email list about this show. Oh, I love uh, it. So okay, I'm happens. like, hey, man, I got to get to give homage to where the idea came from. So I'm going to do that. And I'll send you an email. I would love to see how it happens. Let's see if you get the same experience. Double the click-through rate. So, and I implore people to do that. But that alone is not enough. So different is the first step. Different gets noticed because it's unexpected. It's that double take. Walk down the street and you're like, what? what was that? It is our mind opening up. There's a thing called the reticular formation. It's the gatekeeper. It has the habituation component. 
But basically, it does open up for three circumstances. Threats, someone has a knife, and you're like, whoa, defend yourself. Opportunity, someone drops money, and you're like, oops, I found money. Or different. Different needs to be qualified. When the unexpected presents itself, our mind says, is this a threat? Is this an opportunity? Or is this future ignorable? That's why the first, hey, friend, we didn't know what it was. I had to investigate this. But you have to do the next part of the dad model, which is A, it means attract. It must speak to the interest. It must compel the prospect or whoever you're targeting to stay engaged. So does it solve a pain or problem they have? Does it speak their language? Does it entertain them? Does it educate? There has to be a compelling reason. Number one way to engage an audience is to speak their language, the common language. And I'm not saying they speak English, you speak English. I'm saying whatever the language of their community is, because that's the ultimate transfer of trust. If you can say the language of my community, as an author, if you know what a first pass manual is versus second pass, I know you get me. If you don't know what it is, you just don't know the industry. That's fine, but you're not for me. So right. know how to speak the language. And I said first pass manual. I should have said first pass manuscript. Right. Speak the language. I didn't even know that you were incorrect. I'm like, I'm <laughs> See, right? I'm like yeah. Yeah. which is what fine. Talk about. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That sounds good. It sounds good. All right. So we must attract. What attract does it keeps people engaged, but there's a shelf life here. You know, if we said, hey, let's do this podcast for 12 hours, there's a certain point, no matter how good it is, people are going to drop off. So we have to move efficiently to the final step of the dad model, which is direct. Direct is giving people a specific and explicit direction to take. That is safe and reasonable. That's the key caveat. Many people leave this obtuse or ambiguous direction. You visit my website and it says learn more. Worst thing to do. I mean, the whole reason you come to my website was to learn more. Don't keep us going in a circuitous route. Tell me what to do. If right. I sell you a car and you come to my lot and say, I want to buy a car. I'm a sales guy. And I say, oh, yeah, check out the lot. There's actually countless lots in our entire county. You should go all around town and see what you can find. It's so obtuse. Right. Now, the other extreme is where we are asking something that is overwhelming. You come into my lot and I'm like, hey, give me a $100,000 deposit and I'll find your dream car. F you, man. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. What's safe and reasonable may be you come to my lot and I say, um, give me your cell number and I'll start taking pictures of our inventory here and our other lots. And we'll see if we can find your dream car for you. It's a transaction. I have your permission to reach out to you. You're getting information that helps you identify what you want. And that will move ultimately to the ultimate transaction. So your marketing has to have a direction to take. It needs to be specific, but also reasonable. If you don't check off one of these boxes, your marketing is highly crippled. If you're not different, no one's even going to notice you. You are invisible. I don't care how attractive it is. They don't see it because it didn't jog their attention. If it's different, you wear a Bozo the Clown costume, it may not be attractive. Like, you know, how many people are into Bozo the Clown? Is that consistent with your brand? Right. Plus clowns are murderers. So like that's. Yeah. They're kind of creepy, man. I'm not going to lie. Like freaking creepy, bro. Like they're terrible. Okay. So I have a question with this. So can you give me like a specific example of somebody who nailed this whole dad framework, whether you guys showed it to them or oh, yeah. like most principles, sometimes like why, how, what, I love uh, it, yeah. where did you see this principle perfectly displayed in the real world? One of my favorite examples is with a gym, just because it started here in the town I'm in. So I'm in New Jersey in a town called Boone and uh, in town, there are three little fitness studios. They're not even really gyms. And they're all adjacent to each other. They're right next to each other. They all in their windows had the exact same marketing, right? The common noise, the hey friend. For them, it's the before and after. Schlubby client becomes ripped client, right? You see it over and over again. And me and anyone else Dad that walks by- Dad to these, greet God. That's what yeah, you're right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Horrible overexposed picture, white to tan ripped and like this weird oil on them. Yeah. Every single one. And so no one looks at it. Everyone walks by it. 
And so it's like, okay, before and afters don't work. We've become habituated. So I approached these gyms and said, I'll give you something that's different. Who wants to do it? All of them rejected me. And I think this is an important story. We are fearful. Humanity is fearful to do different because we get noticed. If we get noticed, we may be laughed at or ridiculed. So we often abandon it. Now, that is a trigger from our cave dweller days. If I reject the tribe's desire, I put the tribe at risk. Therefore, I'm kicked out of the tribe. I'm rejected, and that means certain death. So in the old days, standing out meant death. Today, standing out means opportunity. But we have to overcome that kind of caveman mind that's still in there, the reptilian part of our brain. So they all rejected me because they were afraid to be ridiculed. Well, one gym is in Salt Lake City said, what's the idea? I said, well, let's take an idea, rip off and duplicate R&D, yeah. another industry. I noticed that at a carnival, the fun house, people love to take pictures of themselves, myself included. You see a mirror, you look like ET or something. Oh my God, take a picture. What we did is we got two fun house mirrors. One that made you look like a like squat and schlubby and another one that made you look all jacked up and ripped. And we put these two mirrors in their window. We got rid of the before and afters. And on those mirrors, the schlubby one said before above it. And the other one, the ripped one said after on it. What would happen is now customers are walking by, you see your mirror different. Like how often do you see a mirror in a gym that makes you look like ripped or schlubby? It's attractive because it's you. So people are taking pictures. Oh my God, let me put this on social media. And then there was a direct, there was a sign next to it that said, we just transformed you in the mirrors. Now let's transform you in real life walk inside Ooh, and their good. foot traffic went up. I think it was like almost four times the foot traffic coming in to sign up because of that. Right. Just a little tweak. And the thing there, what I love about that is that you're making it about the customer, right? People love, you know, girls back in the magazines, you know, which spirit animal are you and which celebrity are you? Like people love to know about themselves. So the mirror is about them, not about some random person that they don't know who it is. And if it's not even Photoshopped, you know, the schluffy to the fit person, so that's also a powerful like motivator is that you're seeing yourself in it. So that's just genius. So yeah. Dale Carnegie dedicated a book to this called how to win friends and influence people. And yeah. no one's more interested in anything than themselves. That's true for me and you and for all of humanity. So right. a mirror or people's own names, if you can reflect back, and this is a literal reflection, but if you can reflect back the person and they see themselves, they're engaged. They're engaged, right? Okay. So out of these three, differentiate, attract, and direct, where do most people struggle? So when you see most small businesses, which part do you think that they would tend to get the most trouble? Yeah, with? inevitably the differentiate. It's shocking how many businesses just follow the process of everyone else. They hear, oh, Facebook is where it's at. I'm going to run those Facebook ads. And it doesn't work. And they're like, I don't know what's wrong. I got to spend more money on Facebook ads. And they go down this path because they hear it works. So probably the number one thing is differentiation. Because differentiation requires innovation. It requires you to consider what others aren't. And many of us fall into the five common approaches. And we just repeat it over and over. And when someone comes to you and says, how are you going to market differently? It's almost overwhelming. We're like, I, I don't know, F Facebook? It's the same. So one strategy to break out of this is surround yourself with people outside your industry and brainstorm. Just simply ask them, what do you do in your industry? I'll give you an example. I was at a cleaning conference. I was presenting there, but I sat in and listened. And one guy on stage says, on a cleaning product that you have at the store, if you put a 800 number on the back saying there's a pre-recorded message, we get about a 10% boost in sales because some consumers want more detail and they'll sit with their cell phone and call. And on that message, you'll convince them to buy your product. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'll put this on my book. I had a book called The Pumpkin Plan at the time. I put an 800 number in the back. It says, listen to the pre-recorded message. This is when Barnes and Nobles was still- And there was really no thin. QR codes. So you couldn't even, right? Yeah, yeah. But as the only author I knew of that had an 800 number about the book on the back of their book. And sure enough, our sales increased by about 10% as a result. So 
number one challenge businesses have is doing different. The way to do this is just investigate outside your industry. There's going to be insights there you can bring inside. The number two thing, and it's a close number two, is a direct. So many people leave this obtuse kind of, this will, whenever you're ready type of thing, give a direction. And you don't go for the close. This isn't about ABCing. This is about doing what's reasonable and safe for the customer. But get a transaction. A transaction means some kind of trade-off that they give you something with their permission and you give them something with your permission. And that trade-off is then going to matriculate to whatever the final transaction is. Right. We always say because mortgages are a complicated product with a lot of steps. We just say, sell the next step. You don't sell want to, like, you don't sell everything at the, like, cause they're just overwhelming. Oh, let's just get the next step and the next step. So that's kind of what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. So I love the idea of looking outside your industry. I find the same thing. You look outside, you see ideas, and then how could that apply here? Can you give some other examples? Because I always find for me, examples are what stimulate my thinking. Oh, yeah, man. Give me a couple so more. I'll give you some more. So I gave you my invisible ink. I did another one. I was at a conference, and I'm sorry, I was uh, flying to a conference, and uh, I noticed when I got on the airplane that I turned my phone on, you know, like everyone does, and the Wi-Fi pops up, and someone's hotspot said CIA or something. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that's different. That's an opportunity. I bought a little mobile Wi-Fi. You can get them for like 20 bucks on Amazon. I plugged into a battery and I set up my Wi-Fi access point to say, purchase or buy profit first on Amazon, right? What I would do then is I go to a conference where I'm speaking on profit first, one of my books or whatever, get different. I would ask the AV booth and say, hey, I'm speaking later today. Can I leave my bag here? And they all go, yeah. I activate my Wi-Fi. I have hundreds, actually last conference, I had 3,000 plus people walk into the room and everyone sits down before the conference and they log on their phone and they're seeing popping up as the Wi-Fi access point, buy profit first on Amazon. Oh, and I speak on it. I can't tell you people come up to me saying, dude, you wouldn't believe this. The conference is promoting your book on the Wi-Fi system. They don't know that you're doing it. What? Yeah, Why would it's they? Me. It's me. Yeah. It is different, right? How often do you log on Wi-Fi and there's a marketing piece there? It's attractive in that it folks curiosity, what's this all about? The direct was built into it. It told people what to do to buy right. it. So that's another technique I used. And I continue to, the thing about this is different has a shelf life. That will stop working when others do it. Don't forget, people are terrified to do different. It's the reptilian part of our mind. So even though I've been sharing this on this show, I'll be shocked if more than one or two people even do this. And right. therefore I'm gonna keep doing it until the day it becomes commonplace. And then I'll- And then, yeah, then you'll, you'll have something new that you're doing. Okay, so how do you get over the fear part of it though? Because like, I'm wired that way. If it's the same as everybody else, I'm like, it's boring. That's just how I'm wired. But you're right. And most people aren't. So what would you say to somebody who's kind of like, well, what if it doesn't work? Like all these things that they go on. Oh, totally, head. right? Yeah. yeah, I ask them first. I ask them a qualified question. I say, honestly, are you better than your competition? And I'm not saying in all capacities, just in any capacity. Do you respond faster? Do you care more? Is there a reason that you can say you're better than the competition? And I would say for 99% of businesses, they say they are, and I agree that they are. Then I say, well, don't you have a responsibility market? If you're better, isn't it a shame that a customer can't discover you because you don't stand out and they hire someone that's inferior? You're compromising them. That's the client's problem, but it's your fault for not marketing. You have a responsibility to market. And I think when people see that framing. That marketing is not a bothersome thing. Marketing is a responsibility. If you're better, it is a responsibility that they can overcome those fears because it is a way of being of service. Marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. Right. I always think of these things are experiments in science. It's like you have an experiment, a hypothesis. That's right. It either works out the way you expect or the way you don't, but either way you learn something. 
That's and right. if you have that philosophy, it's easier. So I'd love you to share something you tried that didn't work. Because again, there's going to be people like, I'm going to try something. And then what did you learn from it? Because there must have been, with all the ideas that you have, there must have been something you tried one time. Like, man, that bombed. But, you know. Oh, it, yeah. So, yeah. So like, I'd love to hear something around that. So that people can know that the world's not going to end if you try something and it doesn't work. Oh, uh, yeah. Dozens of things. You know, and when something doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it is a failure. It means it is a learning experience to find the right thing. It self failed, but it's a learning experience. In fact, this tree, if you're watching the video behind me, is a get different experiment. It started off as a standard bookshelf and it blossomed. It's a tree now, so kind of yeah. bigger, but blossomed into this. One thing recently we've done that didn't work was advertising to get employees. We're trying to recruit someone new. We said, let's just break the whole kind of stereotype of typical ads. The building we're in is a historical building. It's a colonial building and therefore it can't be modified. We're on the third floor to walk up. When I say three floors, it's three long floors up. You're breathing deep when you get to the top, even if you're fit. So we put, as the ad, it said, free gym membership included. You will work out every time you come to work. And we're like, oh, this is so funny. And then we kind of are downplaying the way it looks. We have people applying because we're like, who offers a free gym membership? And then we had to explain, well, no, it's a joke. And we even say that it's three flights up. So it's actually a cardiovascular workout it caused confusion. Right. And so we didn't lose out, meaning we weren't embarrassed, but it didn't result in any new business. But we found that sometimes people take things too literally, particularly in an environment where they're looking to get jobs. So that was one failure. Right. And that things you think of like clarity versus creativity, but you can be creative, but in that case, there was a block of clarity, but so you don't know these things sometimes because in my mind, when you explained to me, it makes sense, but I could see why somebody would think, well, I get a gym membership and like, and then yeah. I have to work out. What if I don't want to work out? Like, what if right, I was right, right. to work? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, and that's what happened. It triggered confusion. Yeah. I failed the attract test. You know, it was different. People noticed it because they were responding, yeah. but it wasn't attractive, meaning it didn't speak their language, or at least it didn't speak it clearly. And they thought they were getting something they weren't getting. And then they said, oh, I've been two times. I've been tricked. So it had a negative consequence. So then the thing was like, okay, we got to modify the ads not to be confused. And so it became a learning experience, but you know, it cost us time. It failed, but it was to your point. These are all experiments. I'm really cautious about going into a marketing plan. The definition of plan means commitment. I plan to do something. I commit to do something. A marketing experiment is an expectation for learning. It'll work or right. it won't work, but I'll change. So always start with experiments. Don't go massive with something, go small with something until you know it's working and then expand and make it massive. Once you know with a surety, you're going to get an ROI. Test it small and then it's working and then, you know, Deploy swing to the fences. Yeah, so, okay. So where can people find the book? So I'll put links in the show notes, but if somebody's like, you know, I want to check this out, I want to be different because when I say to you, mortgage broker, loan officer, you're probably like, I know what that is. Like you have a category in your mind of what that is. And it pretty much all sounds the same. So where would somebody go get a copy of this? Yeah. The best place to go is go get different.com. So G O go get different.com. And the reason go there, it's the book site. But there's tons of resources, including experiments done for you, ready for you. I think there's over 70 experiments, including the Invisible Ink email, including that Wi-Fi one, and 58 more that you can download for free. Just put in your email. There's the transaction, right? There's a direct. It'll say, sign up so I can get your email and have your permission to communicate with you. And you can get content, the transaction, oh, that's a value to you. To me, that's a very valuable piece. And you can get started with experiments even without reading the book yet. So that's where right. I start. Okay. And last question. So what's been the feedback like on the book so far that you've got since it came out? Really extraordinary stories and stories I didn't expect. And there's a virtual assistant company that's been struggling to get new clients. The owner read the book and said, we do a lot of the thinking. So a virtual assistant, usually you tell them what to do and they do explicitly. She said, well, we do a lot of the dynamic thinking for you. We're proactive. She sent out baseball caps called the thinking cap. 
I just said thinking cap on here and she mailed them out and she said, we do the thinking for you. So you can finally take off that thinking cap. Right. And right. she got people saying, Oh my gosh, this is so funny. Cause now I have a visual. She got so many inquiries from that little experiment and she's more than doubled her business in one year since reading the book. She's not even a year, six months. She's doubled her business. Just in that one simple quote unquote, stupid. When I say stupid, meaning it's so obvious. Why would that work? Cause no one else is doing it. Idea. Right. It's, you're standing out. Yeah, totally. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate chatting with you guys. Have a listen. There's an opportunity. We're giving away 25 copies of this book and we'll let you know how you can do that. And yeah, thanks buddy. And let me know when your next book comes out. I'm sure you got something cooked up. I'm always do. I do. I am working on right now. So. Okay. Thanks. All right. So if you're listening to this, that was an awesome conversation. Love talking to Mike. Very motivating guy. As I mentioned, go to brokerbookclub.com to get a chance to win one of 25 books that we're giving away of Get Different. And in this upcoming segment, I'm going to be talking to Tom about mining your database. So check this out. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, it's great to be here. So today we're going to jump into database mining. I love this topic. It's one of the things that a lot of mortgage brokers sometimes can neglect, but it is extremely valuable. So let's talk about it. What are some of the things that you find, especially, you know, your tech company sure. that provides yeah. the services for people? What are you seeing that works really well? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. First of all, it's something that there's a lot of interest around. I think that it can be a buzzword, right? You know, there's a lot of people throwing this type of thing around, but I think it can also be pretty useful and actually pretty quick to implement if you're doing it the right way. So there's a couple different ways. I mean, there's hundreds of ways you can mine your data, right? You can look at just about any type of different things in terms of opportunities or trends or rates or things like that. But you know, the ones where I typically like to start, there's about three that I usually see. These, people these are kind of like low hanging with. fruit as we were chatting Most with before. These fruit. are low hanging exactly. fruit stuff. Yeah. So you can do a lot of things, but these are like literally right in front of you if you've been doing this for any amount of time. Exactly. Ready to go. And so to kind of just list them and then we'll go into detail, I think sure. right off the bat, the lowest fruit you can see, it's right in front of your face, is your renewals, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that. After that, though, closely after is looking and kind of fishing for maybe some refinance opportunities. And then just to kind of round it out is non-subject properties. And we can talk about those in a bit more detail. And so starting with the first one there with the renewals, everyone kind of might be rolling their eyes and say, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know it. You know, I understand the concept of renewals and kind of following up with that. But, you know, just from our perspective, what we see in people coming to us, I think it's actually quite shocking just the number of people who say, hey, I know I should be doing it but I'm not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. It's very much so one of those things. And so, you know, the fruit there that's hanging is just really doing it. And it can be super simple. And more than anything, there's a lot of different templates and things you can do to follow up and cadences, but more than anything, it's just about consistency, right? For a lot of these things, you know, someone getting something from you, you know, it might just be noise, it might just be this, but we find that consistently being there shows that, hey, there is this opportunity for your borrower, but it really kind of helps build that relationship. So even if you might not get that renewal, you're there for them and it can, you know, kind of lead to other opportunities that you might not expect. But by showing them that you know that this event is coming up, it really kind of builds that trust with your clients. So when do you typically like the, cause you build out automate, you know, you guys yeah. with your program, people can have automations that help with this stuff. So they see the date coming up. When do you see people typically like how many contacts over what period of time prior to the renewal date do you find to be the most effective? Right. So we usually do around, we start around nine months. 
leading up to the yeah. renewal. That seems to be the right time to get ahead of some of the lenders and, and making sure that you're going to be the first one reaching out. It seems like a long time, but it's not because again, looking at your competition and just how quick those nine months can go, that seems to be right. And after that, we see about every two months. And as those two months go by, kind of increase your intensity, right? So start with, hey, an email that's going to go out. And then two months later, text message and an email. And then, you know, another two months after that, you're doing the phone call, right? Those types of things. You're sending can... a pigeon with a note, like, where yeah, are exactly. you? Pick up yeah. the phone. Yeah, you got it. Exactly. And yeah. so it's actually a good idea to start at nine months out because a lot of lenders will start to try to work that six months out. And so you're ahead of that exactly. at least. And then if the lender does send them something, hopefully you'll be able to have a conversation with them about it. Be like, hey, and if it's a good deal and it makes sense, keep it. If it's not, then maybe there's an opportunity for you too. Completely. Yeah. Like being that first to market, almost that first to market mentality that even if you're a day after the lender sends their email, it's going to look like you're just trying to, you know, copy what someone already you're piling has done. On, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But if you so flip the first the is switch, renewals, those are kind of low hanging fruit. The second was refinance. So how are people identifying refinance opportunities that they may be sitting on that they didn't know they had? Right, right. And this one I think can be very sophisticated if you want, but very simple too. I mean, there's a lot of great tools out there that can do a great job of looking at remaining term and rates, comparing it to today's rates, trying to understand what might be the penalty to break certain mortgages and, you know, spit out, hey, where is this type of opportunity? And I think those are great tools out there. But what I coach people too, again, in the idea, we're talking a lot about fruit right now, low-hanging fruit, is that there can be some really quick low-hanging fruit that you can find by just saying, hey, which of my close clients have the highest rates, right? These are probably going to be the people who I can refinance with the best, right? So you can be complicated or you can just make it really quite simple and say, hey, I might not understand everything, but I'm going to run these types of filters to say who might be these good clients and then I can dig into it a little bit more. Right. I think it's rate and equity because sometimes equity right. can also be, there's multiple things. It could be they want to invest. It could be they want to renovate. It could be who knows, but there's two areas that I think when it comes to refinancing is if they don't have any equity, well, it's a dead, What's the point? there's right. no opportunity yeah. there, but like there's been a huge rise in equity for homeowners in the last few years. And so a lot of people are sitting on this equity that is not doing anything. And so there could be an opportunity. So in the mm -hmm. refinance, if you're running reports, I'd say focus on rates and equity as your mm -hmm. two main right. criteria. That's really good. Okay. So renewals, refinance, what's the third kind of low hanging fruit? Yeah. And then the third one we mentioned was just non-subject properties, right? So, I mean, that sounds like some jargon, but really what it is, is saying, hey, on the mortgage app, if they're putting other liabilities, your clients are putting other liabilities. Yeah, define on it for me. Like, tell me like I'm five. I know what you mean. Right. Tell me if somebody's listening to this, they don't know what we mean by non-subject property. Define that for me. Yeah, completely. So yeah, on the mortgage app, you're working with a client. What you're going to want to understand, of course, is their assets and liabilities. And then when you're looking within that liabilities category, well, of course, what's going to be there is any other mortgage that they might have, right? Before Especially, they came to you, it could be with another lender, another whatever. Exactly. Right. could be another lender, could be another, well, broker maybe, but it could be, you know, something private, really just any other kind of mortgage that they have, but you're getting that information, right? And that's very valuable information for you because as part of that, you're going to understand the rates that they have, the term, the maturity, those types of things. And so all the stuff we talked about for your existing clients, not only can you do those things on the mortgages you've done with them, but even the mortgages that you haven't done with them that they also have because you have that information and you can use it. One of the cool things you guys can do with your software is you can actually go pull that non-subject data, right? And run campaigns to it. So whether the person's using Velocity or Finmo, Phylogix, does yep. it work with all three? 
Uh, yeah, so it can work across the board, basically. So if you're using any of those, well, any of those do platforms, you could go in, pull all of your non-subject properties, and then you can run campaigns. That's kind of like one of these things that people just don't think about in terms of like, yeah. you know, you're sort of usually too busy getting that one mortgage approved that you're not thinking about setting up a plan or a campaign. And it's cool that you guys actually can do that. So I think that's a really easy one for people to implement, especially if it can be done through automation. You can do it manually, of course, but... If you can yep. do it automated or semi-automated, it's definitely a lot better. Yeah, and I think the very first step, if people say, hey, that's a huge thing, you know, getting the data in and building these campaigns and doing that, I think the data is always the first step. Just get it in, have a good kind of scope of what's going on, and then from there, you can kind of formulate a game plan to actually go out and capture it, right? So think of it, you know, as not this big apple you have to eat. Take it kind of, you know, one bite at a time for these types of initiatives. Sure. Why don't yeah. you recap for our listeners the three sort of areas that people they could focus on today, literally, to help with database mining? Yeah. So right off the bat, renewal reminders, getting on top of that, starting at nine months out, absolutely the lowest hanging fruit. Right after that is refinance opportunities. You can do a lot of calculations, but as we talked about, maybe doing some quick filters on rate and expected equity, you can really find some great opportunities there. And then finally, this concept of non-subject properties and you know these liabilities that people have that you might not have helped with them originally, but you want to help with them in the future. And I think all these things, the theme that ties it together is going from a you know transactional type broker to being an advisor, being a partner to your clients, because then you can really build a good book of business there. And, you know, doing these types of things and identifying these opportunities for yourself, but also your client really shows that you're invested in being And you're, play, you're playing the long game as well. So that's really playing good. And so game. if you guys are listening yeah. to this, go check out bluemortgage.ca, blue with no E. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll have to make that video. Yeah. You got to make that easier. Yeah. Because one of the cool things, you guys actually have campaigns that you can literally plug and play with this. So somebody listening to this, well, yeah, that's, I totally agree. Haven't got to it yet. And because you play nice with all of the submission platforms, it doesn't matter where somebody is, whatever platform they want to use for submission, you can help them integrate these type of campaigns. Essentially, you're like the fruit pickers for them. Like where I live where there's lots of apple trees and so you can set up a system for picking fruit. You see some of the machines now that do the fruit picking. It's crazy. Like yeah. what they used to do and now, you know, they do today. Like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. That's right. Yeah. It's like those tree shakers. I don't know if you've seen those. They literally grab the apple tree, shake you it. Shake and them and then they catch them all in a thing and uh, then fun yeah. them into a, yeah, it's nuts. So that's yeah. basically what you guys have. You've basically you got go. a tree shaker. Yeah, yeah. You're going to shake the tree and yeah. the broker is going to get paid for it. So, and if you think about it, like the cost of, your guy's software, which is not that high for a year, but very easy to recoup. So this type of campaign is a very fast ROI on pretty pay for this stuff for multiple years, actually. So, for sure. You yeah. know, so that's pretty great. Okay. Thanks, Tom, for coming on. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. Thanks to Mike for coming on the show again. And the guy can just put out books like crazy. So again, go check out brokerbookclub.com to get a chance to win a free copy of Mike's book. Check out Finmo, our title sponsor, if you're looking for an amazing application. And the last thing I'd say is like, we've got this really cool power search feature that has been built that allows you to keyword search all 400 plus, I don't even know how many episodes we have now. And you can get down to the minute detail of conversations and find them. And it's amazing. It's totally free. Go check it out at islandmortgagebrokering.com. Set up a free account. And then you can jump in there and research to your heart's content. Thanks again for listening to this episode. And I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.